<clears throat> African spirituality. When I say those two words, what exactly comes to mind? Do you think juju, dark charms, witch doctors, human sacrifices, false idols, idol worship? Well, what if I told you there was a new way to think about it? A different way. A way that goes back to our roots. The roots of the ancestors and the roots of knowledge. Good morning. My name is Bube Patrick Agoke, and you're listening to my podcast. And for 7 to 15 minutes on this lovely, snow-filled morning, I will be arguing for why Africans need our traditional religions back. Because believe it or not, there are many useful things that those Nigerian movies won't teach you. So what exactly is African spirituality? Well, for anyone who's unfamiliar, when I refer to African spirituality, I basically mean the traditional African religions and religious beliefs. When I talk about African spirituality, I mean the Ifa divinations from Yoruba culture, or the Odinala faith of Igbo culture, or even the Santeria religion of Afro-Caribbean cultures, and a lot more. The faiths and systems themselves consist mainly of both polytheistic and monotheistic belief. In other words, in using my own traditional cultural religion, it may be set up like we have one main big god. We have one main big god, and then the ideas about a multiplicity of spirits, as I quote Robin Horton in his 1976 article these spirits consist of forces such as the ancestors which are literally your ancestors watching over you heroes water spirits nature spirits and other animistic type of spirits however as anything concerning mythical beings go these spirits or gods if we're, for lack of a better term are not too friendly they are very temperamental and thus require articles oracles or diviners of our sorts if you will this is where divination comes in, and more specifically, things and practices of the Dibia, at least in my own cultural religion anyways. The Dibia are basically the traditional medical doctors of the Odinala religion. But again, we see this theme of medical doctors across many African religions. For example, in our neighboring Yoruba religion, we might be familiar with them as the Babalawo. This role is seen across all of Africa, as they are not just oracles, but also spiritual and medical doctors, if you will. It is like if the Oracle of Delphi in Greek mythology got melded together with Hippocrates. I mean, even the doctors themselves had their own oaths, levels, and other things that make up a basic medical system. All just to establish communication between us and the gods, because the gods love to inflict their wrath physically. So if you ever fall sick, maybe you just made a god angry. Now, given how relatively simple African spirituality is, and how it pretty much mimics any other religion in the world, why is it demonized and not, let's say, Greek mythology with the Eleusinian religion, or Norse religion, or Egyptian religion? What makes African religion so different? Welcome to the second part of the podcast, and to answer the questions put before, nothing actually, nothing specifically to African religion. And I'll give you a hint, it's not African religion at all, but rather, obviously, the fault of colonialism. Yes, we have no one else to thank other than white people and their religious indoctrinations.
specifically surrounding the discourse of demonism and Satanism, which have become increasingly prevalent in many parts of Africa, to quote Rosalind J. Hackett. According to Rosalind J. Hackett, they stem primarily from the popular deliverance-oriented Pentecostal ministries, which flourish in countries such as Nigeria, Ghana, and South Africa. These movements are prone to violent condemnations of other competing religious options, in particular traditional African religion. In other words, and the simplest of terms, the introduction of Pentecostalism and African ministry work has led to Africans effectively turning their backs on their own cultural roots and declaring anything non-Christ-like as the works of the devil and violently condemning them. As the words of Mazama, the role played by Christianity in this tragic state of affairs cannot be underestimated. The biggest crime of Christianity, as far as African people are concerned, has been the desacralization of the African spiritual space, that is, of African life, given the paramount importance of spirituality for African people. And that, indeed, Christianity, it must be understood, has been in part and parcel of white of the white supremacy project. To demise, Afrocentricity is fundamentally committed. So there, so there. All the proclamations of your local Babalo using dark charms and serving false idols, you can thank Christianity for that. Every word of African juju being dark magic and devil worship, you can thank Christianity for that. Now that that part of the project is over, we move on to the good parts, the nice parts, the best parts on the crux of the podcast. African religions and African spirituality need to make a comeback, and it's needed now. But why? Well, because we as Africans need to find new ways to make a comeback on the global stage. And it can't be done by relying on the same Eurocentric methods that have been used to do us dirty. No, we need to go back to our roots and the knowledge that they leave with us if we want to move up in the world. But what things can African religions provide us? What knowledge can they impart on us? Well, for one, African religions can help us solve global climate issues where Western methods fail. For example, in the 2017 article, the African world exists in two spheres, the visible, tangible, and concrete world of humans, animals, vegetation, and other natural elements, and the invisible world of the spirits, ancestors, divinities, and, other, and the supreme deity. Yet, it is one world, indivisible, with one sphere touching another. In having this firm belief, there is a symbiotic relationship between African people and the environment around them. Conservation value grows have grown out of the religious awareness that natural resources are part of that which ordinary humans do not control, invent, or create. Consequently, Africans do not temper with what they do not understand or control. In other words, while Western and Eurocentric nations are so far removed from the environment and see it as a commodity to be used and discarded continuously, African religions actually hold some form of reverence for nature and know not to mess with things that are beyond our control, thus in a sense developing a more cherished and steady relationship with nature rather than dis- the destructive and parasitic one we have right now. Another area that could heavily benefit from African spirituality and religion is education systems. It is no shock that African children learn heavily from the colonial educational system, but does this system really serve as a one-size-fits-all, or does it just leave Africa in the same place it has always been in? In the, 20, in the 2002 article by George J. Sefadeh, 
there are talks about how African spirituality manifests itself in schooling. For example, starting from where one came from means knowing the self and the history of one's social context. Teaching a people the history and culture of their past has a purpose in the ongoing process of knowledge creation. In other words, simply using the roots and history hidden within African spirituality in education can help one learn about society in certain ways and more about themselves, which can lead to more learning and more knowledge growth. It makes even more sense learning about African spirituality in schools, as it can lead to the road of environmental conservatism, as I mentioned prior, especially since spirituality and the questions of human slash social ecology go hand in hand. Local knowledge is significant for this learning process to be effective. It is in this learning that helps ground the individual to the community of a place, spirituality, thereby helping to develop a a people and a people's sense of purpose and direction in life and in the world. If we were to apply this even further, we could reach to things like medicine and health practices, which is exactly where my next point is headed, as African traditional beliefs also aid in the medical systems in Africa and in some sense can better them. As mentioned before, Africans like to attribute disease and bodily inflictions to being punishments from the gods. And to anyone who knows anything, we are all aware of the issue of HIV and AIDS being a problem for Africa today. In the 2001 article by Alta Eve and Dyke, it is stated that many Western-based AIDS education and prevention programs have failed dismally in Africa, and they may only succeed if traditional African beliefs and customs are taken into account. In other words, while Western medicine tries, they can ultimately not succeed without the use of African spirituality. This is done through the knowledge and help of traditional healers, which should be actively used in the control and prevention of AIDS in Africa. And as I quote, most African patients consult traditional healers for STD treatments, and they are particularly competent in handling STDs. Traditional healers are often given, often give sound biomedical advice to the STD patients, which is also conducive of AIDS prevention. Among other things, they advise patients to abstain from sex while undergoing STD treatment, to choose healthy partners unlikely to have the Siki disease, not to have sex with prostitutes and soldiers, and to locate and treat all recent sexual partners. The traditional healer's understanding of the Siki disease and their beliefs about contamination should be used to explain AIDS and HIV transmission. Found, for example, that traditional healers understood the concept of latency very well. They explained to their clients about how coma, germ, of the Siki disease hides in the body, ready to attack at a later stage. The latency of HIV can therefore be explained to patients by using these local concepts. To break it all down simply, African spirituality and the knowledge surrounding diseases lends itself to helping fight HIV and AIDS in one of the most important and significant ways, which is education. While most people in Africa seek and struggle to get standard sexual health education due to purity culture imparted to them by Christianity, African spirituality readily and openly dips itself into the topic and provides a proper answer in ways that can be understood. Well. That was quite the journey, and one that was quite needed. Although my podcast is not meant to revolutionize Africa in one day, due to how deep-seated Christianity is now, and the villainization of our own traditional beliefs, it is my hope that the education surrounding African spirituality continues, and in a non-biased way. That is truly one of the only ways Africa can start to can start accepting back parts of itself, 
especially as something as important as this. Once Africa takes steps back to its roots, I can already hopefully see some changes to be made in the realm of ecology, in the realm of education, and in the realm of healthcare. This is Abube Patrick Ogoke signing off. Thank you for joining me and have a wonderful evening.